Well, good morning and welcome to First Church. My name is Andrew. I am the lead pastor here at First Church. And whether you are a longtime member or a first-time visitor, thank you for doing life together with us here. If you have your Bibles, let's dive right in. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. As you are turning there, we want to welcome you to the second week of our sermon series called Day One. If you would, everyone together, let's say that, day one. What we've discovered in this series is that this is not only day one in the life of our church in terms of a new pastor, new ministry, uh, new future, but this season is also day one in the life of the global church. It's the season of Pentecost. It's the season when, for the first time, the Holy Spirit was poured out in power upon God's church and filled the entire world. This is the season that we celebrate. Pentecost isn't just a day. Pentecost is a season, and we are right smack dab in the middle of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. What we've learned is that the Holy Spirit doesn't come by accident. God is not just up in heaven drawing straws or picking names out of a hat, right, to determine which church is going to get the Holy Spirit this week. The Holy Spirit comes to the church that has prepared for his purpose, right? The habits that we form today determine the legacy that we leave for tomorrow. So last week, week one, we looked at preparing for his purpose, preparing for his purpose. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Andrew, I hate it. I missed last week, I was sick, or I had uh, some other things going on, uh, I, I just had to, uh, bedside Baptist, you never know uh, where, what might have happened. Don't worry, because we do have a podcast. And some of you are saying, what's a podcast? Uh, look around and find somebody that looks like they're under the age of 20, and uh, they can help you this morning find our podcast. You go into iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast, type in Kankakee First Media, and you'll have free access to all of our message content each and every week. And we, we really do encourage you to do that because last week's message is so fundamental to our future together. What did God teach us? He taught us that we are to prepare for a purpose, that we're to follow Jesus even when the way seems uncertain, that we stick together even when we'd rather give up, and that we pray desperately even at times where maybe we don't see answers. And I just feel led this morning as we were worshiping uh, to say this on that last point. There may be some of you here this morning that don't know that every Tuesday evening at 6.30 p.m., we pray together desperately in this church. We have community prayer right here at Kankakee First. Now, there's some of you, you've been around churches for a while, uh, you know what uh, prayer meetings mean, right? Hour-long prayer meeting, uh, 55 minutes talking, five minutes praying, right? We, we've all been that. And you're saying, I am not giving up another weekday night just to hear about somebody's cat that's got the arthritis, right? Not, not doing it, not giving it up. But I promise you that community prayer at Kankakee First is something different altogether. There is something powerful taking place behind the scenes right here, and God is doing an incredible work amongst us. So if you didn't know that we prayed at 630, we'd love to have you. If you did know, but it just hasn't worked out, we really would love for you to join us and be a part of community prayer 
uh, right here at Kankakee First. So last week we prepared for a purpose. This week we live like the light. We live like the light. And then next week, probably the most important message of our entire series, the scripture tells us that we have to get ready for resistance. We've got to get ready for resistance. So live like the light. Uh, today, a uh, 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 brief show of hands, uh, uh, congregation participation. Uh, how many of you here today have ever put something together in your life? You've had a big project, small project. You put batteries in something. Everybody's put batteries in something. Very good. Everybody's at least done that, right? How many of you, when you put something together, the very first thing you do is you get out the instruction manual and you read it step by step? You're a by the book type of person, right? By the book, going to make sure we get this thing right. Very good. How many of you, when very first thing you do when you're putting something together, you get out the instruction manual and you throw it in the trash? Very good. Fantastic. Almost all the men. Very good. Thank you, men. Well, what I have learned in life is that uh, I'm an instruction manual type of guy. I'm a step-by-step type of guy. And what the Holy Spirit is showing us in this series is he's showing us what it looks like to receive the Holy Spirit. What steps as a church do we need to take to receive the Holy Spirit? Our, our, our key thought for the series, it's so important. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. Scripture says this, as God's people, our mission is to glorify God. His mission is to build his church. That's really important. I'm going to say it again. As God's people, our mission is to glorify God. God's mission, God's job is to build his church. Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus says, who's going to build his church? He says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. What does he build it on? On this rock. Not a person, not Peter. He builds it on the confession that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is the Messiah. That Jesus is the Savior of the world. And he says, upon that confession, I'll build my church. All you have to do is glorify my name. He says, when I am high and lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. All you got to do is confess my name and I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Amen, First Church? That is really, really good news. And let me just tell you, when I'm preaching, if anyone gets excited, just feel free to say amen, uh, clap. Um, uh, Sharon's the only one that can run. Uh, but uh, if, anybody, if anybody else wants to run, bring your shoes next week and you can do some running. Very good. So what do we do? How does Jesus instruct us? So I told you I'm an instruction manual uh, type of uh, person. So many of you know, if you're here last week, that Simone and I are expecting our second child, Right? And yeah, very exciting. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, uh, thank you. And so, um, uh, uh, Lucas, as you know, is almost four years old now, which means I am horribly out of practice with this baby thing. And so, what I decided to do is look up some instructions on how to raise a baby. Now, they tell you that babies don't come with instruction manuals, but whoever said that probably didn't have the internet, right? Because there's all sorts of great instructions on the internet about how to raise babies. Let me uh, just uh, share a few uh, with you uh, this morning. Uh, this is, uh, and they'll be up on the screens, this is instructions how to lift a baby. 
right? Lift a baby, right? So nice like this, not like the claw at the pizza place, right? Kind of like that. Lift him up by the head. Very good. Lift a baby. Next one, uh, Simone and I disagree on this. Uh, she's more of a cautious, I'm more of a go right in, right? Figure out what's happening there with the uh, diaper. Really good. Uh, next one, I uh, had a hard time with this one uh, because uh, both looked really good to me. Uh, but I've spent time in Kentucky, so that's probably, uh, that's probably part of it. Uh, sorry, you're from Kentucky. Love Kentucky. Okay. Uh, number four, uh, cleaning out the baby's nose. This is a point of conflict in my family. Simone is, is preaching to the Hispanic ministry today, so she's not here. But I am the kind of guy that says, Jesus gave you fingers for a reason, right? <laughs> baby's nose, your nose, whatever. You just got to get it done and clean out that uh, baby's nose. Uh, here's another uh, uh, really good one, testing the baby's bottle. <laughs> Don't tell me you haven't done it. Don't tell me you haven't done it. The, the dog also makes a great test subject. Just let her... Let her uh, check that out. And uh, the last one, many of you have asked if you can help us uh, when uh, the baby's born. And uh, here's our requirements, all right? So pretty high standards, uh, yes and no. Uh, and uh, as long as you meet those standards, we would love to have you take care of our child. Great advice, right? Really good instructions, instruction manual type of guy. I think you would probably agree with me that more than reading instructions, more than just doing it and trying on our own. Perhaps the very best way to learn how to do what God has called us to do is to watch someone who has gone before. To take a look at a community of believers that has actually fulfilled what it is that Christ has called us, First Church, to do. And we see exactly that in Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, look uh, beginning in verse 42. Here's what the author Luke says. He says, they devoted themselves to what? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was what? Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were performed by the apostles. Guys, this was a church that got it. This is a church that was on fire for Jesus. This is a church that's living the victorious Christian life. And they are living like the light. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So he says, therefore, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. What are they going to give? They're going to give Glory to our Father in heaven. What is our job? To glorify God. What's Jesus' job? To build his church. So he says, let your light so shine so that men will give glory to my name and I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So how do we live like the light? How do we follow the example of this church? Two ways, if you're taking notes, number one, write this down. A church that lives like the light is a church that is willing to share resources together. It's a church that's willing to share resources together. Look at the very next verse in verse 44. Luke says this. He says, all the believers were together, and they had what? They had everything in common. They had what in common? They had everything in common. Selling their possessions, selling their goods, they gave to whom? They gave to anyone as they had need. They give to anyone as they had need. Now, this is not 
the normal way of life, is it? This is not often how the world uh, works. Uh, a couple uh, years ago, Simone and I were out uh, hiking together, and we love to hike. We love the outdoors. And so when we go hiking, the very first thing I try to do when I'm hiking is I try to find a hiking stick. Um, uh, many people get a hiking stick because they think it makes them look legit, right? Like, I'm a legit hiker because I got a stick. I, I do it because literally I can't keep up with my wife if I don't have a hiking stick with me. Uh, uh, she's the woman who, when she was five months pregnant, she hiked four miles into the Grand Canyon, right? I mean, she, she's the real deal, right? And so I've got to have a hiking stick to keep going. So on this particular day, uh, I was really lucky because I actually found two perfect hiking sticks, they're just beautiful. I'm just, you know, both arms just doing, just getting after it, right? So we're a couple uh, miles up the trail, and we come across this, this young family, mom and dad, and they've got a couple uh, young kids, six, seven years old, and they're, they're really struggling. It was a pretty strenuous hike, and it was pretty steep. So the kids in particular were really having a hard time, and so we're kind of going, ready to kind of go around past them when all of a sudden the, the boy, the, the little boy, comes running up to me, and he sees my hiking sticks, and he gets so excited. He's like, oh, man, those are, the, those are awesome, man. Those are the best hiking sticks. Man, I'm so tired. I wish I had a hiking stick. If I had a hiking stick, I'd be so awesome, man, if I had one just like you. <laughs> and so here I am, full-grown adult, two hiking sticks. Here's this little boy, no hiking sticks. So, you know, what I did. So I got down and got eye level with them. That's what they tell you to do, right? To communicate. So I got eye level with them. I said, son, do you really want this hiking stick? Would that, would that change your life if you had a hiking stick? <laughs> he said it would change my life. I said, well, here's some advice for you, son. Go get your own. <laughs> and I took off the mountain with both my hiking sticks, baby. Left that kid in the dust and haven't seen him to this day. That's how the world works, doesn't it? It's like when my, my wife told me the day after we got married, she said, Andrew, I'm so glad to be married to you. I said, I know, I'm pretty great, got to be married to. She said, no, it's not that. She said, I'm really glad to be married to you because now what's yours is mine and what's mine is still mine, right? That, 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 that's how it works in our relationship. And that's how the world works. What yours is mine and what's mine is mine. And I'm going to get everything I can and I'm going to keep it for myself. So how did this early church live like the light? How did they share resources? How did they experience what they experienced? I'm convinced that they did it because they had a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit of Jesus. I'm convinced that everything changed for them because they knew Jesus Christ as their Lord. These folks had watched Jesus live. They had watched Jesus die. They had known everything that Jesus had done for them. And I'm convinced they looked at themselves and they said, if Jesus gave such that he gave his life for me, then certainly I can give such that I change my life for him. If Jesus gave so much that he would lay down his life for me, then certainly I can give even to the point where it would change my life for him. Church, the only way that we give generously the only way that we have this kind of radical generosity that shines like a light in the midst of a dark and a dying world is if we look at the example of Christ because we give only because of the fact that he first gave. What scripture tell us, John three sixteen? he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
He gave his only begotten son. He loved us so much that he gave his life for me. I love him so that it will change my life for him. The principle is this. If you're uh, taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. I really truly believe this. The depth of my generosity is reflective of the depth of my relationship with Jesus. The depth of my generosity is reflective of the depth of my relationship with Jesus. And what Jesus says is, you've been blessed. Bless others so they in turn can be a blessing to someone else. He hasn't blessed us so we can keep it for ourselves. He's blessed it so that we can be a a, a flow through, a pipe of blessings, so that he can continue to bless us and we can continue to be a blessing to someone else. It's a church that shares generously. It's a church that is radically generous because Jesus first gave to them. Amen? Secondly, if you're taking notes, uh, write this down. Not only does the church share uh, share resources to live like Christ, but also it's the church that shares life. It's the church that shares life. Look what Luke says in the very next verse, in uh, verse 46. He says this. He says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Then they broke bread, where? In their homes. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. What did this community do? They spent time in the temple together, and they spent time in their homes together. They worshiped together, and they fellowship together. They prayed together and they ate together. In other words, these people really spent a lot of time with one another. It's not too common today, is it, in our life? What's common today, what's common for me is that I spend some time here with this group or with this group or with this group, but I want my own space and I want my own privacy and I want my own walls because I don't, I'm not sure I want people to really see behind the walls of who I really am. Sometimes when we really live in community with others, when we really get down deep in relationship, sometimes people see things about us that we never expected for them to see. And relationships like that take a whole lot of vulnerability. Sometimes people see behind the curtain and they see behind the messes and the mistakes of our life and they look at us and they say, I never knew it was quite like that with you. They see more than they ever expected. It's a a lot like uh, a couple weeks ago, Simone and Lucas and I were on an airplane, and Lucas is, is, is great uh, on airplanes. He really does a, a good job for a three-year-old. And so the, the biggest problem that we're having at this point in our journey is that now that he's potty trained, he needs to use the restroom every five minutes, right? And so, uh, Daddy, go go potty. Daddy, go go potty. So we're on the plane, and we hit a, a horrible stretch of turbulence, right? The plane is going up and down, and the seatbelt lights are flashing, and the captain is, you know, have your seats, all this. And Lucas turns to me, and of course, what's he say? Dad, I've got to go potty, right? Got to go potty. Not now, Lucas. You got to wait. I can't hold it. No, you need to wait. We can't get up. I can't do it. I'm going to go to the bathroom right now. So I I didn't want to sit in my child's potty for the whole flight. And so I decided to break aviation rules and get up and take him to the uh, bathroom. And the flight attendants were glaring at us, but they got over it. And so we got back to the airplane uh, bathroom, and you guys know how spacious those are. Just all sorts of room to stretch out, right? And so we're fighting with it. The plane is up and down all over the place. And 
somehow, by the grace of God, uh, we did not um, hose down the whole bathroom. It really was, really was a miracle of God's grace. And I thank him for it to this day. So I'm so excited. We got it there. And then I, so I, I pick them up and I put them down and I, and, I, and, I, and I open the door and we're on a mission to get back to our seats because the turbulence was really uh, pretty bad. And so I, I'm in front of him and, and Lucas is, is here behind me. I've got him by the hand and I'm walking down the aisle and it feels like he's dragging his feet behind me. And I'm like, Lucas, now is not the time. Let's go. He said, Dad, I can't. I said, yes, you can. Pick up your feet and walk down. Dad, I, 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 can't, I, I can't do it. I said, Lucas, we have to go. The seatbelt signs are on. The captain is yelling at us. We've got to go. He said, Dad, my, my foot is stuck. <laughs> and I turned around for the first time, and I looked at my son, and I realized that I had forgotten one minor detail of the potty protocol. Uh, which is pulling your son's pants back up <laughs> after he goes to the bathroom. So, true story, we're in the middle of this airplane, walking down the aisle, and my son's pants, as they say, were on the ground, right? <laughs> uh, nothing but shoes from the waist down, right? And he's there, and I, I, I'm not sure what those people thought about me that day as a dad, but I know for a fact that they saw more than they ever wanted to see in their life of my son. That's how community sometimes works, right? Sometimes when we let people behind the curtain and they see all of our messes, they see all of our mistakes, they see everything that we've done, sometimes they see more than they ever thought. And you and I are sometimes plagued with this fear, we've talked about it before, that if people really knew the real me, they might not like me. If people, if I really let somebody behind the curtain of my life if I really let them look at what I struggled with or where my sins are or where my shortcomings are, if people really knew me, they might not like me anymore. And so I've got to construct this curtain. I've got to construct this wall. I don't want people to really know me. And maybe for you, you find yourself there this morning. Maybe for you, you find yourself in a place where you're here on a Sunday morning, and that's really great, but 75 minutes on a Sunday honestly doesn't, doesn't, doesn't fulfill our need for community. There's some of you here today, and you're here, and, and, and your marriage is struggling. Uh, your, 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 your relationship is on the rocks, but no one would ever know it because anybody can pull off 75 minutes of smiling and happiness, and everything's great between the two of us. Maybe there's some of you here today, and you're struggling with your kids. Grades are failing. Behavior's horrible. They've turned away from God. And you long to tell somebody, but you're afraid that they'll think that you're a bad parent, and so you keep it all to yourself. Maybe some of you here, you're struggling with your finances. You're struggling to keep your head above water and, and, and you don't know what you're going to do, but you go ahead and you, you buy that new car or you go ahead and you buy those new shoes or you go ahead and upgrade to that latest technology because you don't want anyone to know how bad things really are. Maybe you're sitting here today and you say, life together scares me. Life together is a scary thing because I'd actually have to let people see inside of me. And what I want to tell you this morning is if that is you today, that is a lie directly from our spiritual enemy. Our spiritual enemy desires to steal and kill and destroy everything that's meaningful to the heart of God. 
And one of the hardest attacks that he levels against us is the one where he says, if people really knew you, they wouldn't like you. You're the only one who's struggling. You're the only one who's suffering. You're the only one who's dealing with that. You can't let anybody know about that because if they knew about that, they'd never let you lead or they'd never let you talk or they'd never let you sing or they wouldn't be your friend anymore if they knew where you really suffered. And it's a lie of our spiritual enemy. Because what Jesus tells us for a church that lives like the light, they did life together. Every moment, every day, everything. They had a community of believers that walked with them, that supported them, that loved them, that stood beside them. And there's some of you, and there's some of you folks here today that you need people in your life, and, 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 and you need people, somebody who can support you in a way that you've never been supported in your life. You need somebody to come up alongside you and say, it's okay because I struggle too. It's okay because I'm suffering too. You need somebody who can wrap their arm around you and accept you for being broken and being hurting because that's who we all were too. And let me tell you, First Church, more than anything else, that's what this community needs. This community needs a church that will accept and love and wrap their arms around anybody that walks through the door. I don't care where they've come from. I don't care what they've done. I don't care where they've been. When they walk into the house of God, they are an equal level footing with us because you and I, just as they were the broken and the lost and the outcast, so were we once broken and lost and outcast. Before Jesus came into my life, I was the last. I was the lost. I was the least. And Jesus came in and transformed me. And church, I'm telling you for a fact today, I'm convinced that if Jesus can change my life, he can change anyone. If Jesus can save me, and I know myself, I know what I've gone through, I know what I've done, I know what my natural inclinations are. If Jesus can save me, Jesus can save anyone. And we never give up hope. This community, Kankakee County, the five miles that surround our church, this community needs a church that does life together. What kind of church does God draw his people to? What kind of church does God send his people to? If we really do believe that church growth is God's job and not ours, then what kind of church does he send it to? He sends his people to a church that will share resources with one another and that will share life with one another. It's a group of people that says, I'm here, I'm open, you can know my life, you can know everything about me because Jesus has saved me, he has redeemed me, and he loves me. And it doesn't matter what I've been, it doesn't matter what I've done, he is my savior and he's redeemed me. There's someone here today that Jesus is speaking to your heart and he's saying today's the day, today's the day to open your heart, today's the day to live in real community, today's the day to begin to live generously again. Jesus gave everything for you. You can give to the point where it changes your life for him. Jesus wants our heart. Jesus wants our life. And Jesus wants our church to be a beacon of light in this place. All to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, we ask you to come and speak to us today. We ask that your Holy Spirit would, would work in our lives, work in our hearts. Minister to our spirits. Come and have your way in us. So we continue to pray, spirit of prayer, heads bowed, eyes closed. There are some of you here this morning that Jesus has been speaking to your hearts. And today the Holy Spirit has come up alongside of you and he said, I want you to be a part of a church 
that lives like the light. I want you to be a beacon of light in this community. Maybe for you, it's the the call to be more radically generous with everything you've been given. You said, all right, Jesus, if you lay down your life for me, I I can give to the point where it changes my life for you. My depth of my relationship with him is equal to the depth of my generosity with others. And, and I want to be more generous. I want him to have everything that I have. I want to be a blessing so that when I bless others, I can continue to be blessed and continue to be a blessing to other people. Maybe there's some of you here this morning that Jesus is getting real with you about the need for community. You're here on a Sunday morning and we are sure glad you're here. But the truth is you need something deeper in your life. You need a small group. You need a Sunday school class. You need an accountability partner. You need somebody who comes up alongside you and can love you and can embrace you and can come up and say, Jesus loves you. Jesus forgives you. Jesus wants to change your life. Somebody here today that Jesus is speaking to your heart, he's saying, that's what it takes. Generosity, living like the light, living in true community with your family. If Jesus is speaking to your heart today and he's saying, that's me, that's what I've got for you, I want you to live like the light in this community and be a part of what God is doing in this place. You just slip up your hand this morning. You say, I want to live like the light. Praise God, all over the place. I want to live like the light. Thank you, Jesus. I want to be more generous. I want to be more in community. Thank you, God. Who else? I want people to know me. I want to be real. I want to be open. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you know our hearts this morning. You've heard our hearts. You know what it is that we need. We're a church that desperately desires a deeper walk with you so that we can live like light in this community. You've told us, Jesus, that we are to live like the light so that everyone can see our good deeds and give glory not to us, look not at us, not think about us, but give glory to our Father in heaven. And so today you have seen these who have said, I want more of you. I want more. I want to be more generous. I want to be more open in community. I want a deeper relationship with my church and my God. And Lord, today, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name. As we continue to pray, I just believe that there's others here today. That Jesus has brought you here for such a time as this. We don't think it's any accident that the Holy Spirit has drawn this group of people for this particular reason. We believe that God wants to save somebody today. We believe that there's somebody here today, there's multiple somebody's here today that the Holy Spirit has been working in your heart. And from the minute you walked into this sanctuary, you haven't been able to escape it. And your palms are sweating and your face is sweating. And you're saying, man, I I just got to get out of here. But you can't escape the conviction of the Holy Spirit because he is here and with you right now. As we've talked this morning about a community, about what it looks like to live in true community, to live with real generosity, you've looked at yourself and you said, that's what I need. That's what I'm desperate for. That's what I want. I need a real community. I'm tired of trying to do this thing on my own. I'm tired of trying to live by, by myself. I have fallen on my face, flat on my face, too many times. I need Jesus. I need a Savior. And if there, there's somebody here today that Jesus is speaking to your heart, and he's saying, today can be your day one. The great news about day one is it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. On day one, it doesn't matter where you've been. 
On day one, it doesn't matter where you've gone because on day one, what Jesus says is if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. On day one, your past is the past. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you've gone. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said because today could be the day of your salvation. Jesus was so radically generous with you that he gave his life. God gave the life of his only son to save you. And today, if you'd say, that's me, I need forgiveness, I need a savior, I need new life, the old is gone and the new has come, today is day one for me. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand right where you are? You lift up your hand, you'd say, day one for me, day one for me, praise God, day one for me, thank you, Jesus. Praise God, today is my day one, today is my day one, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Anyone else? So today is day one. Thank you, God. Praise Jesus. First Church, would you pray along with us as we receive those into the kingdom of God? The Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. I need new life. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm alone. I need your Holy Spirit to breathe new life in me. Forgive me of my sins. I give you my life so I can have yours. Thank you for your love. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for day one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Let's stand and sing together.